Gardening on ABC Radio Perth and WA. This is Roots and Shoots, ABC Radio Perth's gardening podcast with new episodes twice a week. I'm Michael Tetlow. It's the gardening show for green thumbs and aspiring horticulturalists alike and the wonderful Sabrina Hahn is here to answer all of your curly questions. Hi, Sab. You've got mites on your mind today. Ah, I've got mites on my tomatoes, I can tell you that much, Why do they like the tomatoes so much? What's going on there? Well, what they do is they they ascend from hell. (laughs) I reckon reckon they might be the devil's favourite little playthings. And then when it's hot, like above 38 degrees, all the mites go, oh, let's pop up there because yeah. it's perfect weather for sun baking. <laughs> um, so, and there's lots and lots of different kinds of mites. Mm. And then there's mites that eat mites. Right. So you want more of them, but then. Ah, yes. Yeah. The mighty mites that eat the mites that eat your, your, all your plants. Mm. So the thing that most people will have is they'll have the tomato russet mite. Mm-hmm. They could have the earth mite. They could have the two spotted mite. They will definitely have the uh, citrus mite. Mm. There's all sorts of different mites that attack different parts of the plants. There's a bulb mite. Um, but the, so what happens with mites is they're an arachnid, but they kind of look like a cross between a weenie spider mm. and a tick. Right. They're deservedly ugly looking. They're not attractive. <laughs> so they've got this big swollen body. Right. Um, and six legs. Do you see them? Do they, do they jump can't, around? You, you can't, can't see them. You no. can't see The uh, two-spotted mite, which you usually see on cape weed in agricultural areas, mm. that's big enough to see and you see the little red spots. Then there's another mite that has something like 200 little white dots on it. But you need a magnifying glass or you put the leaf under um, a microscope. So they're very, very, very small, but they do a lot of poo Mm. and they have little black specks of poo. But what happens is you'll see the... The leaves, so they're on the underneath of the leaf, you'll see the leaves have like a stippling sort of colour on Mm. it or silvering or with your tomatoes what happens is they go sort of a bronzy colour, then they go really pale and then they go brown Mm. and then the leaves just drop off and so they start breeding and they breed from the bottom up. So on your tomato all your lower leaves will die Mm. And people go, oh, spray that. Nah, too late because the insect has left the building and gone to the top leaf. Gone gone north, yeah. Yeah. So you can use things like lime sulphur, wettable sulphur or tomato dust um, and that suffocates them and they die en masse. (laughs) (laughs) But the problem is once once all the... 50% 50% of the lower leaves are dead on your tomato. You might as well just rip it out. Right, too late. Yeah, and burn them. Yeah. You can't burn things this time of the year. Not Although really. if you have those little, you know, where you're making your uh, cream caramel, doing the top mm. bit on top with your little blowtorch, mm. you could set to them with a blowtorch. You could it. do. Mm. Yeah. You can't really burn things anymore at all these days, can you? When I was a kid, we had a 44-gallon drum at the back <laughs> of our place in Mount Lawley. Yeah. And it was great fun to put... Green weeds in there. Everything. We used yeah. to put everything in the 44-gallon drum. All the toxic fumes. Yeah. As a kid, you'd breathe in. No problems. 
<laughs> I had great hats. Oh. Hat from next door. <laughs> Didn't want them to know. Oh, they, they were the days. Um, now, Sabrina, yes. we're going to talk about uh, Marsha is asking this question. Can you recommend a medium-sized evergreen shrub or tree for a Woodvale garden? Oh, in Woodvale, mm. you could grow lots and lots and lots of things. So a medium-sized evergreen shrub, you would go for things like Adenanthus or any of the grevilleas. If you want a small tree, you could have uh, something like a circus or the Irish strawberry tree is a, a nice deciduous little tree. It doesn't have – it has strawberry-like fruit, but it's not a fruit. You may as well eat a packet of cardboard. Mm. Uh, but it's very, very pretty. Then there's all the carimbias, the dwarf flowering red flowering gum. They come in between three to five metres. Mm-hmm. Um, or the Portuguese laurel trees, another pretty evergreen tree. Excellent. Now, Sarah's in a bit of spot of a bother here, mm. um, Sabrina. She wants to know, you often advise to use soil microbes, and she knows you can't give brand names, but she's mm-hmm. gone down to the big green shed, asked right. the lady there, all confused. Yep. But they don't know what it is. You will not find them in green sheds. Okay, where do you find them? Or even blue sheds. Right. Because uh, I do believe there are blue sheds and green sheds. Yeah, there are. Yeah, yeah. there are blue sheds. Um, so you have to go to a nursery. Right. So, so like a plant nursery. Don't go to a children's nursery. <laughs> they don't stock uh, microbes there. Well, they, well. Have, they have lots of filthy stuff mm. all over their hands mm. usually, so they could spread yes. microbes. Unhelpful for the garden. Totally unhelpful for the garden. So you need to go to a nursery and they have all of that in stock. Okay. There, there you go, Sarah. Go and head there for your soil microbe information. Helen in South Perth says... Uh, do you have any suggestions, Sabrina, of where to purchase a really good fork to use in their compost heap for aeration? Yep. So don't go to the green shed. Right. Because, you know, the problem with garden tools now, and I'm, I'm, I know I look amazingly strong and incredibly fit. You are. But when I use all that stuff, it just bends. I'm right. I'm so angry. I take it back and I go, this is, I won't tell you what I say. Yeah. Um... So if you want good quality steel, you either buy stuff that's made here. There is a a place where you get good quality tools and it's to do with forestry. Mm -hmm. So if you go online and you look at forestry tools, Mm. they actually have really good quality tools. That's good to know. Worth paying for what you get. It's like my secretaires. I only get – I have – Japanese handmade, hand forged secretaires. Mm. Terrified I'll lose them because they're not cheap. No. However, I've had them for a long time. Too. Yeah, and that's what you want. You don't want to be bending your shovels and your, your forks, forks. And, yeah, it's no, no good. No. No good at all. Rick has texted in as well. He wants to know which jacarandas will grow from seed. Uh, can they grow in Perinjori? Peringery, Peringery, Tetlo. Perin- you're from oh. Western Australia. Where is this place, Peringery? Sorry. Peringery. Well, they're very jolly in Peringery. Oh, yeah. Peringery. Um, you can grow any jacaranda from seed. However, the white flowering jacaranda, uh, when it's grown from seed, will probably revert back to purple. Oh. But 
Peringeri, you can grow, as long as you can give it water in summer, you mm. can grow beautiful jacarandas there. So all of them grow from seed. But the trick is, Tets, you have to pre-soak the seed because it's, it's got a really hard coating on it. Right. So you can either rub the, so you open the, the pod and all the seeds are inside. So you can either rub it on the emery board as you're doing your fingernails, making them nice for when your partner comes home because you want to look best. Yes. Um, so you can either do that or you soak them in hot water for at least six hours. Mm. All right. Susie's texted in a photo, Sabrina. Uh, she says, can you tell me the name of this plant, please? And is this powdery mildew on its leaves? Yeah. So that is an aster, A-S-T-E-R. I love them. They're beautiful but mm. very prone to powdery mildew. Now, that's pretty bad. So there is a bicarb of soda spray that you can get, more of a preventative, um, or, or you can try copper oxychloride, but it's pretty bad. Mm. Anyway, give it your best shot, All copper right. oxychloride. Give it a whirl, uh, Susie. Uh, this person as well has uh, texted through a photo uh, to say, can you please tell me what this weed is, how I can get rid of it. It's taking over my lawn. And in Inglewood, I've got this all through my driveway. Now, that weed is throughout Western Australia, in particular in everyone's gardens in Perth, and it's become a major problem for nurseries because each one of those little arms has about 500 seeds in Mm. it. I cannot remember the name of it. It's got a big tap root on it. You pull it out. It's yeah. got a big, long it, root. It comes out really easy, mm. but the problem is it has 60 million bloody yeah. seeds. So as you pull it out, you throw the seeds everywhere. Yeah. Um, I cannot remember that. We'll, we'll just call it a mongrel thing. Yeah. It's a, a bit like a, it's a bit like a spiderweb, isn't it? It sort of goes yeah. off in all yeah. directions. So just hand yeah. pull it out and then do that for the next oh, 15 years. Yeah, it should be fine. Seeds and, will keep. And then your neighbours will just. Yeah, the seeds will come over from their place. Yep, that's it. Not exactly. much else you can do. Sabrina, uh, this uh, little black duck says, uh-huh. are there veggie mites in your garden? Keep them in a jar. Yuck, 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 yuck. Oh, very good. Ah, black duck. Very good. Yeah. That's, a, like that, that. that's a, like, a joke from a Christmas cracker. I like it. <laughs> uh, Mark V in Morley says, is the garlic from Peru from my vegetable shop good to plant? No. Because it will have been all fresh vegetables that come into Australia have to be, they uh, usually get gassed Mm. um, so that there's no pathogens in them. So don't only ever grow the garlic that has been grown in uh, Western Australia. You can plant that or from Tasmania. Um, but don't do it if it's come from overseas because there won't be a lot of life left in it. Janine is in Mosman Park. And uh, Janine, you've got some apricot dwarf trees. Well, I have an, a dwarf, an apricot tree on dwarfing rootstock. Yeah. And it's grown in its second year. It's grown about two metres tall and two metres wide. It's giant. Oh. Can I cut it now? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't think it's going to be dwarf for too much longer. No. Uh, oh, it's wild. If you so so it's a good time to prune it now because yes. Janine when you prune in summer that mm. actually represses growth when you prune it in winter it encourages growth so you definitely okay. you definitely want to repress growth so hook how in. much would I take off it whatever you feel like because it's right. on a dwarf rootstock so yeah, it's very bossy it's you, gone mad yeah yeah so we'll just hook in 
Okay. You, might, you may not get apricots next year. That's the only thing. Or this only year, got rather. two this year. <laughs> oh, right. Well, you're not going to miss out much, will you? Janine, thanks so much for calling in. Let's go now to Bryce. He's in Inglewood. Hello, Bryce. Yeah, hello there. Uh, hi, Sabrina. I've just had a question. I've dug up... Um, I've got an old house in Inglewood and the, the old concrete driveway rent right up to the porch. Yeah. And I had sort of... And so I wanted to have a garden or a nice hedge across the front of my porch. So I've dug up about, I don't know, 10 square metres of this concrete where I've had it all removed. Yeah. And I'm just concerned, you know, when I've cut it with the saw, is there lime that's gone into the soil? Is there anything I need to do differently than when I'm preparing a garden bed? Obviously, I'm about to whack in compost and poos and things like that in there. Is there anything else I need to worry about? No, but you know what I would do, Bryce? Go and buy yourself a... um, Go and get a pH soil tester and that will tell you how alkaline or acid it is. So if it's alkaline because of the concrete that's, and it's been sawed out, um, all you need to do is add some powdered sulphur, get some, some uh, granular sulphur. Right, okay. But do a I'm pH test like, first. Um, uh, like either... Sigiums or like a Mariah paniculata or something like that in there. They do perfect. So just make sure you add compost, a bit of poo, some wetting agent. They'll do very well there. Good stuff. Thanks, Bryce, for calling in. one three hundred triple two seven twenty. 720 Julie is in Bull Creek. Hello, Julie. Hi. Hi. Hello, Julie. Hello. Hi. I've got a beautiful Boston fern on a stand about a metre high. Now, the fronds are so long, they are longer than a metre, and they're sort of dragging around. Can I prune that Boston fern, or should I? I don't quite know what to do. You you can prune it as hard as you want, Julie. I've got I've got the Kimberley Queen Boston fern, and its its fronds would probably be about one point five meter long. Um, so I just now I wasn't sure how hard I could prune it, so I took a quarter of the bush and I pruned it like down to ten centimeters. Came back a treat. So, yeah, so I'm not suggesting you prune it as hard as that because I like taking risks. Um, But because I I just live on the edge, Tets. You do. I can tell. Um, So (laughs) you can definitely prune it back, no problem whatsoever. Oh, that's wonderful. And just before I go, my begonias, can I prune them as well? Absolutely. I did a whole pile of mine on the weekend. Good. Get into it, Julie. Did. Thanks. Yes, thanks for calling. Uh, what might not be so uh, easy to defeat, though, is yes. a chili thrip. We've got a couple of text uh, messages in. Helen's texted in. Uh, so has um, Joy. Uh, Helen's saying she's about to admit defeat mm. uh, with her climbing roses along the driveway. They look awful. A few have died. It's a very hot area, about 30 centimetres wide on a southern wall in full sun. Mm. Well, unfortunately, see, we thought the chili thrips might be a little bit less because everyone's trying to control them. Mm. But I think sometimes we're blaming the chili thrips for other for the flower thrip, mm. for the western flower thrip. It's got its on it. Yeah, you can't have a thrip. You can only have thrips. Right. Even if it's one, it's a thrips. <laughs> it's a thrips. Yeah. All right. Okay. Can't have a single thrip. Okay. Um. So. Why do you uh, need? Why do you need two? 
<laughs> well, you usually get them in the thousands. Right. <laughs> I, I don't think you ever get a single thrip. Yeah, okay. I think yeah. you get them at 10,000 at minimum. Uh, there is no cure for the mm. thrips. Um, so people are taking their roses out, which I think is really sad, but I fully understand why. Um, now, in instead of the rose going up the mm, southern side of the uh, – who was that from? Was that Helen. From? Helen. Um, there's a beautiful – there's a couple of things you can have. There's a beautiful um, pandaria called ruby bells. It's mm. really pretty, really tough as old boots, quite a big climber. Uh, there's also the snail creeper, which is a uh, deciduous creeper. So it dies down a bit in winter, but hoorah, pops back up again in spring. And it has a beautiful mauve flower that curls around just mm. like a snail. Mm. But you can't eat it like you can snails. No. And you can't throw them at oncoming <laughs> bicycle riders. No, that's right. Or your neighbours. Yeah, or your neighbours or... Or throw them on the road and just wait for a car to come along. Oh, dear. Poor, poor snails. All right, let's go to Margaret River. Claire is there. Uh, hello, Claire. Tell us about your fig tree. Yeah, hi, everyone. Um, I have just recently moved into a house, so I'm not across the history of the garden, but mm-hmm. there is a huge fig tree mm-hmm. um, in the garden, which is beautiful. It's massive, full of figs, but they're all dropping off when they're tiny and they're just rotting ah. on the trees. So mm. when I'm not getting, I'm not sure what, how, what's, what's already been done with the tree or where it is in sort of, yeah, in, in its requirements. But okay. it's such a shame because it's full, but it's just, they're just all dropping off or they're rotting yeah. on the tree in the middle. So some of the, some of the fig trees, particularly if they've been, if they've just grown from seed, and they pop up. They're the ones that need a pollinator. So oh. they need a little mm. tiny wasp that goes in there and and mm. invites the girly and go, Ooh, come mm-hmm. on, come to my place. Da, na, 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 na. <laughs> the candles are lit, <laughs> the music's on. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's the case, uh, we don't have that wasp here anyway, so you may as well forget it. <laughs> uh, now, what I would do, Claire, is come winter, mm. prune the hell out of it. Like go out with a chainsaw, really hard prune, see how it goes the first summer. If the figs are any good, then you know it just needed a bit of TLC. If they're still really tiny or it's a breeber crop and they're dry, get rid of it and put in something that you can eat. Okay, perfect, Mm. because it takes up so much room in the garden for a shame for it not be used yeah and yeah the branches are everywhere the branches are everywhere oh, so okay it's a good prune yep. yeah chainsaw chainsaw Lovely. Mm-hmm. have fun all right claire thanks so much for calling in one three hundred triple two seven twenty. hannah is in shenton park and hannah the crickets are causing you grief Yes, absolutely. I've moved into a a new apartment building. We have a productive garden, which is very unproductive at the moment. So we are trying to grow lots of things by seed and in little seedling pots. But as soon as we put them into the ground, the crickets have a field day and eat them all within two days. So what's the best way to get rid of the crickets? Okay. It's hard yeah. it's hard to get rid of crickets because they move fairly fast. And also the stuff that you would need to put on to kill the crickets, I wouldn't be putting in a veggie patch. So yeah. the best method is to either set up trap crops. 
So you plant things that you don't want to eat, like disgusting kale, and encourage them all to go to the kale and eat that so that the veggies that you want to eat, like zucchinis and tomatoes and capsicum, um, they won't go there. You can try spraying a neem oil-based spray, and it's not it's more of a deterrent because they don't actually like the smell of it. Um, or, of course, the only other way is to net it. Okay, great. Thank so you. try try the try the neem oil based spray first. Great, we'll do. Thank you. Okay, thanks, right. Hannah. Good to chat, Hannah. One three hundred triple two seven twenty. Bob has texted in. He's in Karatha. Mm. He's got these sticky white blobs. Are these merely bugs? And how does he get rid of them? Okay, so they could be merely bugs or they could be cottony cushion scale. So um, up in Karatha, uh, it's still, I think it's still a bit warm, but you can use a potassium soap, fatty acid soap, um, spray it. Five days after you spray it, hook in with the high pressure hose. Two weeks after the first spray, do a second spray. Mm. Five days after the second spray, it's quite complex, isn't it? Hit it with. <laughs> I the might need to write this one down, Sabrina. <laughs> Hit it with the high pressure hose again. So two weekly interval sprays with the soap or an oil-based spray, and then five days after the oil or soap spray, high pressure hose. Okay, give that a whirl, Bob. Corey is in Rowlands. Hello, Corey. Yeah, g'day. How are you going, Brain yeah. Trust? Ah, Good. we're um, marvellous. Oh, excellent. Um, I was a, I had a training course over the weekend and I had some delicious plums at Smogo. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, because uh, I, I took a couple of extras, yeah. uh, can I grow a plum tree from a seed? Yep. Simple enough. Yep, and absolutely. Do I, to, do I need to do a heap of prep work like nah. cooking it and soaking it and all nah. this kind of stuff? I'm, nah. I'm not too much of a green thumb. That's Definitely it. don't cook it. Um, um, no, you can just sow the seed, Corey. So you've got to sow the seed twice the depth of the length of the seed and I would be putting it in now while it's still warm. And they germinate really readily. You don't have to do any any prep on the seed. Okay, so just straight in some like some of that um, seedling. Yeah, pot, pot, mix, pot, get proper potting, potting mix. Like yeah, just straight yep. potting mix. Okay. Yep. Do I need to have do I need to have multiple of them for you, pollinating reasons? You or? will need a cross pollinator. Um, now, do you know? You just need to. You need a description of the plum so that you know what the plum is. Okay. And don't say it was red know. because most of them are. So that's no <laughs> tip. <laughs> um, like a dark burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> Good try, Corey. Oh, Good yeah. try. I don't have that on me. I'll have um, look at the sticker on the one that's left. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have a look at the sticker and then you need a, a, a pollinator. Okay, no worries. I'll have a look into it. All right. Well, good luck, Corey. Yeah, good luck, Corey. Thanks for calling in. Now, on the subject of plums, yes. a Dave in Brulesbrook, he's got two different red plum trees that flower at different times. Oh. So they don't pollinate each other. Oh. One drops all its flowers just as the other starts to flower. Can you oh. help, Sabrina? Get a third plum tree. Mm. So this is now what you do in a garden, particularly with fruit trees that are cross-pollinators, you take a picture of the tree when it's flowering so that you have a record 
for the following year on what flowers when. Now, when you buy a pollinating partner, when you do your research, it will tell you when that particular variety fruits and flowers Mm. so that you have a better crack at getting one. But remember the seasons have changed and there's all sorts of weird stuff going on with flowering at all different times. So it may just be a factor to be to do with climate. It may actually sort itself out at the end of the day or you have to go and get the one that the one that flowers better then I would choose that to keep and the other one that just drops all its flowers, ditch it and get one that flowers at the same time as the one that is your your winner. Mm, All right. Can't have them flowering at different times. This is no good. Stephen is in Wembley. Hello, Stephen. Well, how are you going? Good. Tell us about your fig tree. Uh, It's about 10 years old, um, Michael, and it's uh, prolific with figs but it gets covered in scale. And uh, at the moment, it's finished its uh, fruiting and it's covered in scale now Mm. and it's still got leaves on it. The problem is I've got a beehive about uh, four metres away from it, uh, which I'm reluctant to spray it with anything that's caustic to the bees. Yeah. Um, Now, okay, so... Do you prune your fig tree in winter, Stephen? Yeah, we yeah. do. We're keeping it about oh, two and a, two metres high, two and a half metres high, so it's all manageable. Yeah, okay. So don't do anything until you prune it, and this year prune it hard. Make sure you get rid of all the prunings because the scale will just carry on breeding. Then there's a what? couple of things you can do. Because you've got the bees close by, you certainly don't want to spray... And you can get a organic oil spray that's made from plant material, but of course, if it hits the bees, it's not going to be mm. good for them. But there won't be anything on your fig tree or in your, you know, there's no flowers. There's no reason for the bees to go to the fig when it's dormant in winter. So if you get, rather than a big spray pack, you just get a small hand one, you can individually spray each stem. Um, and then if it's not too arduous, you have a, a scrubbing brush, a bucket of soapy water, and you start scrubbing the, all the, the trunks and the stems and the branches. Yes, well, that's about what I did last season, and right. I had no scale on it at all yeah. until it was halfway through fruiting this year, and then the scale just hit and was everywhere. Do you know what, Stephen? It has been such a bad year for scale this year. It, people who've never had scale on their fig trees have just been hammered and it's the it's the warm weather. They've just absolutely loved it. So, you know, it's a matter of being vigilant right from the word go and getting onto that scale immediately next spring. Uh, Pauline, you're in Denmark. G'day, Pauline. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, Sabrina, no worries. Thanks. Uh, I'm halfway between Denmark and Walpole mm-hmm. uh, on a rural property. Yep. And I'm looking to put in some hopefully fast-growing shade trees for the non-invasive uh, shade trees for the livestock. I've got stands of natural bush, but the yep. paddock areas have been basically stripped of any trees. Right. 
just wondering what, and, and look, I, I think I'm in a gravelly loam, but I'm okay. not very good at soil okay. types. Uh, now, you know that you're going to have to fence them off because, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 whatever will yeah. go. I've got kangaroos and yeah. horses and, yes, everything to eat them, but yes. Okay, so are there, um, will they get any water? Uh, I can water them, yeah, through the first couple of seasons. Okay. So they won't be on reticulation. No, so no, can... no, but they, as, they, as long as they can get a little bit of something. Um, and you, did you say you wanted deciduous? No, just a fast-growing, non-invasive, just because okay. I've got the natural bushland around. Oh, okay, yeah, so you don't want anything that's going to drop seed into the bushland. Um, the only thing is horses are allergic to a lot more things than what cattle are. Yes. And I, Pauline, if we can uh, hand you back to Slim, sure. I'll yep. get your number because I've got a list, but I just want to make sure that I know the stuff that knocks off cattle, but I'm not sure about horses. So I don't yeah, want to recommend anything. So if you... Give your number to Slim. I will. Yep. Um, I'll text you with some plant names. That'll be lovely. Thanks okay. very much. No Rona. worries, Pauline. Uh, we were talking before about germinating things. Mm. Uh, Anne has texted in to say, talking of seeds, best way to germinate pecan nuts. Uh, Anne's got lots of them on the ground yep. because of the cockies. Yeah. Uh, lots of them green and not destroyed. Great. So now to grow the pecan, the nuts have to be fully mature. So you open up the nut um, and just make sure that it's mature. And then um, so so unless it's got an embryo, it's not going to – you're not going to get the business. You won't mm. be getting the nuts. So, um, so you, again, germination, pretty, pretty high success rate. Sow the seed twice the depth of the seed into a seed-raising mix – Put it out in morning sun, not afternoon sun, and um, see how that goes. Pecans are actually really popular with the uh, with the black cockatoos because mm. mm. they haven't got a lot of other stuff to eat. So, mm. um, yeah. All right, Anne. Good tree. Give that a whirl. Nola's in Bunbury. Hello, Nola. Hello. Just call me Boomerang. I'm always coming back. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're a darling. <laughs> now, listen, I have very generously been gifted a great big box of various bulbs, all sorts. They don't, don't know the difference between one thing or the other. So my idea was in, I don't know, April, just plant them all randomly in my cottage garden. They'll yep. all get the same amount of water. Yep. They'll all have the same chance of coming up or dying. Yep. There's nothing else I could do with them, is there, really? No, I reckon that's your best bet. The only other thing, Nola, would be to put them in pots, but yep. that's – I don't know how many you've been given. I mean, that could be quite arduous. So... Yeah, there's about 50, 60 of them. Mm. And I, so I just thought if I put them all in, yep. they've all got the same chance. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And if there's some that, you know, come up at different times of the year, at least if they're in the garden bed, you don't forget about them and you'll see what comes up when. <laughs> yeah. All so, right. I just thought there might be something I could do to them beforehand, spray them with something or nah, something. Or, no, no, nah. just put them in. Put them in. All right, Nola, thanks so much for calling. It's good to chat. Peter is in Karen up. Hello, Peter. Yeah, hi there. Um, I, the question for um, Seb, 
I've got a lily pilly in quite a large pot, mm. and I've only had it there for probably two or three months. But it gets this um, infestation on the underside of the leaves where you get all these little... Um, little yeah, pimples. Little, little pimples? Yeah, yeah, pimples. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and I tried to pick the leaf off to yeah. it out. And, um, yeah, I don't know, I think we need to treat it with something. Yep, so that's the lily pilly psyllid. Mm. 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 Um, and they harbour, they make a little pimple and the little insect harbours up there. So you can spray with a thing that's, um, I can't give you a product name, but I can give you a hint that you will have success with if you spray that. Mm-hmm. Or what I like to do is get the badminton bat out and smack the leaves around and the psyllids actually fall out of their little ha, yeah. thingy. Take that. Uh, Libby is in Netherlands. Uh, Libby, tell us about your toadstools. Yeah, hi. Um, I'm just hoping you might have some suggestions for me, Sabrina. For about six months now, we've been getting toadstools or mushrooms coming up in our lawn. We don't Mm -hmm. know why. They started on our verge and now they're sort of moving into other areas. Right. And they grow quite big, like sort of the size of a field mushroom, except they've got white gills. They don't look very tasty. And I'm worried about the dogs eating them. I've just been picking them out constantly. Yep. But it's kind of a daily job. Is there anything I can do to get rid of them? There, well, now the problem is is the the mycelium or the mushroom's just the fruiting bit. All the all the goings on are below the ground. So uh, so you've got the mushroom but the but all the hyphae and mycelium underneath will be about one square meter. So picking the fruit doesn't really mm. do much. What I would do is I'd go and get a bucket of soil, spreadable soil microbes because that's full of other fungi and bacteria and it, the bacteria might actually attack the fungi. Amazing. Okay, thank yep. you. I'll try that. So, yeah, so, so give that a go. Thanks, Libby, for calling in. Uh, not long to go, Sab, a couple of minutes. Oh, Look at oh. the phones are going bananas. Everyone's waited until the last minute. We're going to do our best to get through these. Trish is in Geraldton. Hi, Trish. Yes. G'day. Yes, Hello, Trish. What's your question? Oh, hi. Um, I have a pomegranate tree and my pomegranates are looking healthy except they're splitting before they're ripe and they have what looks to me like a black fungus. Ah, okay. What can I do? You can't do anything now. Um, it's too late to do anything, Trish. But next winter, give your pomegranate uh, tree a spray with liquid copper and that'll sort the problem out for summer. Let's get one more call, uh, Sabrina, in. Susan, in Kalaroo, you've got a staghorn fern. Yes. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, I've Susan. got a fern. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it used to be beautiful exactly where it is, so yeah. I'm not sure why it's sort of not happy at the moment. Um, it's got sort of a black spot on the bottom of the bowl where its ferns leaves normally go. Mm. I did send a photo through. Mm. I'm wondering if it's got a fungus or whether we put Ooh, too much water in the top and it's going that's, through. Yeah, We're that's, looking at the photo now. Yeah, that's not looking good. Okay, so Susan, ferns require very little water if they get it just a spray. It looks like it's rotting, so mm, I want you to okay. stop watering altogether. <laughs> Cut off the, the, the worst of the affected fronds. You can't 
put anything on them. Like, you know, you can't use fungicides on them because it just knocks them off. So I think it's overwatering. So just let it dry out. Thanks for listening. You can join us live on Tuesdays from 2.30pm. Head to abc.net.au slash Perth or listen to ABC Perth on DAB or 7.20am. Text your questions in on 0437 922 720. Or better still, call us in the studio, 1300 222 720. Roots and Shoots will be back on the weekend to answer more of your gardening questions. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating on your favourite podcast player. And share the episode with all your friends.